Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He is the co-host. His name is Padawan J. You know, thank God for slow news weeks. You know, seriously, I got up today Mm -hmm. a little relaxed. I was like, you know, nothing is going on in the land of sports and pro wrestling. It's very quiet. Yeah. And then sure enough, we had to really take a deep dive because, man, oh, man, do we ever have a loaded show to break down to you, ODPH Society. So make sure to swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on the social media accounts. They're all right there on the front page. Click follow, click subscribe, drop that five-star review on your favorite podcast platform. It does help out the show a lot. T Public Store sale is coming very, very shortly, so keep an eye out for that. Definitely want to save on some ODPH swag as you're going back to school. All of that, friends of the show, such as eight one or sorry, three FN podcast.com. Mm. I have to remember there's a big name change. So if you want to find out what was going on there, simple. Swing on over to odphpodcast.com and click for yourself. And always remember on social media, use the hashtag ODPHpod. But kicking off this edition of the podcast, Friday was a big day in the land of pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. And it has been nothing but a domino effect to right now going into the rest of the week as there is a big event happening on Saturday. So, Pad, why don't we kick off in chronological order? Yeah, so the first news that came down on Friday, I don't remember what time, because at this point... Mid-afternoon. You know, between this and Comic-Con, the weekend's a blur. Mm-hmm. The news came down via the folks at WWE uh, that put out an official press release uh, with the capture or the headline reading, Paul Triple H Levesque is back. Uh, and the press release reads, and I'm reading from WWE's own uh, press release on their own website, which reads, quote, Stamford, Connecticut, July 22nd, 2022. WWE uh, today announced that effective immediately, Paul Levesque will resume his executive position as EVP, Talent Relations, uh, saying, quote, I look forward to returning to my prior position as head of talent relations. I'm healthy, fired up, and ready to take charge, close quote, said Levesque. Uh, so that's the ending of that first uh, press release. So we'll digest that first and foremost. Yeah. Feelings on that? Uh, it's it's good. You know, I think this effectively ends the John Laurinaitis uh, reign, I guess you could say, or, or tenure with WWE. Uh, given the fact that he is embroiled as well with the Vince McMahon controversy, his name is involved in a lot of those reports. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not getting as much press because hey, he's not the owner, CEO, and and kind of quasi founder of the company. Um, you know, so I I think this ends his tenure. Whether that's good or not, I don't know. I'm not going to make light or make comment on it because I I don't know the guy personally. I've never really cared for the guy. It is what it is. You mm-hmm. know, so that ends his tenure. But I think having Triple H back as the head of talent relations is a good move. I I think he's got he's 
he comes off as very approachable from all the stories I've heard and from the stuff I've read with, especially with when he was running NXT, that if, if a wrestler had an idea or something they wanted to do during match, he was very approachable. They weren't afraid to go talk to him. You know, he was very open and very honest and willing to help guys and girls. You know, so I, th- I think having him back as the head of uh, talent relations is a great move. I, th- I think it makes all the more sense. And I think it'll be good, you know, for stuff down the road and just working things out with the, the wrestlers. This is a big, big PR win for yeah. the WWE that obviously with the Vince McMahon allegations against him and the, and the hush money payouts for the past 16 years mm-hmm. of uh, allegations. Like it's a wild scenario that's going on with him. But for them to bring back Triple H into the fold, mm-hmm. that's a big move. Yeah. And especially with his track record in NXT, where obviously it's the the developmental farm system, if you will, for the main roster. Mm-hmm. But under his regime, it flourished as a third brand. Yeah. And was stealing the shows when they would do NXT takeovers. Mm-hmm. They always became must-watch. When those stars came to the main roster, right. most of them flourished. And if you even want to go even further, a lot of your current AEW superstars mm-hmm. came from NXT and the polish of Triple H. Well, and let's not also forget whatever year at SummerSlam it was, or not SummerSlam, Survivor Series, You know, where out of the ashes, I guess you could say, of the debacle with the plane ride from hell too, with mm-hmm. them trying to get out of Saudi Arabia and half the crew, the cast and crew, not being able to get out of Saudi Arabia. So a bunch of NXT folks got called up to SmackDown that night because the Saudi Arabia show was on a Thursday. The SmackDown was the next night on Friday. They had the whole plane issue. It's well-documented, or kind mm-hmm. of well-documented what happened. Sure. That what was born out of that was the Survivor Series that was Raw versus SmackDown, and then for the first time ever, and only time ever, NXT. And let's not forget that I still, to this day, will occasionally go back and watch that Friday, the Friday SmackDown right before Survivor Series, where all three brands invade and start brawling the shit out of each other. It's insane to watch to this day. But let's not forget that Survivor Series, Raw didn't win, SmackDown didn't win. NXT won in terms of head-to-head matchups. Oh, absolutely. For, for that night. And that's something that we all need to remember as fans, that for NXT, when it finally rose to being the brand, the black and gold, if you talk to a lot of wrestling fans, when it became that brand, mm-hmm. it was must-watch TV. Mm-hmm. They have great storylines. The wrestling was great. It was what you want as a wrestling fan. I mean, how long did we have to go... Before we got to a takeover, because every takeover was great, and there was usually at least maybe one match, two matches. I was like, eh, okay, that was what it was. But how long did we have to go before we got to a takeover where, where we went, that was bad. It was years. I want to say it was Adam Cole, Velveteen Dream in your house. and that, Yeah, and that was, what, that was about the first one for where from top to bottom, it was bad, at least in our opinions. Yes. But for the most part, every other pay-per-view top to bottom every match was amazing you'd have an occasional one where the match was kind of like yeah that wasn't that wasn't that great but by and large every other match was fire well that's because triple h is no pun intended he's a student of the game Mm -hmm. he understands the wrestling temp of the fans he gets what makes them want to come watch shows that for the wwe product say what you will but it is basically a machine yeah it's almost cookie cutter to a point 
He understands to remain relevant, you have to freshen things up. You have to bring something different. And one thing that had not been there for a long time mm-hmm. was real wrestling with real storylines per se, obviously with sports entertainment, but it was something that the fans have been clamoring because a lot of the wrestling that they were seeing on Monday and Friday nights was sports entertainment. Mm-hmm. A lot of promos. Yeah. A lot of stuff that just really didn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. When you kind of blur the lines a little bit, which what Triple H did with NXT it became very compelling TV. And, oh, God, yeah. and like I say, you had stars that were on the independent scene for many, many years mm-hmm. that when they got to NXT really became superstars. And that's mm-hmm. one thing that you can say is Triple H had an eye for the indies like few people have. Right Now, granted, he had a great circle of trust around him, sure. one of which being William Regal, sure. that helped bring in a lot of talent such as your Adam Cole, babies, baby, such as your Kyle O'Reilly's, Bobby Fish. The list goes on and on, but those three, just to name a few, who, when they came in, were not the household names that they are now. Right. And I will say this. Adam Cole was getting groomed to be the next Shawn Michaels. Rich from 3FN always says the same thing, too. Yeah. And especially during that run that you talk about for that Survivor Series, Adam Cole wrestled four nights Mm -hmm. and four shows. Yeah. So... He was going to be the guy, and he is prime example of what Triple H could do. Not saying that Cole wasn't going to be a superstar regardless, but when you get in front of a television product, you get in front of live cameras mm-hmm. and crowds that you now know where to go stand when you do an interview. You know right. where to go to do uh, certain spots in a ring for the camera shots. When you get that knowledge given to you, you become a better wrestler and a better marketable property. Yeah, no, he was absolutely grooming, you know, Adam Cole to be that next top guy. Because, like you said, during that Survivor Series run, that Friday, you know, right after the, the Crown Jewel event where half the roster was missing, they needed a main event. You know, Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan, was in the main event. They didn't have a wrestler for him. So Triple H was there kind of running the show because, hey, everyone else is, you know, stuck on a plane, can't get over here. Who did he bring up from NXT to face him? You look at that roster back then, it was a fucking loaded roster. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Who did he bring over? Adam Cole. Mm-hmm. He knew exactly who to bring in, who to plug in, and it made perfect sense. That's something that you get with Triple H. And like I say, you look at the, most of the stars that you have now on both Raw and SmackDown, mm-hmm. from your Roman Reigns to Seth Rollins, mm-hmm. Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens. The yeah. list goes on and on. We could literally sit here and just read off some. Yeah. I bring up the Undisputed Era, though, mm-hmm. because as we see them now, they are literally carrying AEW to an extent. Yeah. I mean, you have to think about when they came over there, big hoopla. They've been on TV a lot. Obviously, injuries happen over there. That's sure. a different story. Sure. But to look at the impact that Triple H has now spread, he essentially has helped AEW to a degree. To a degree, yeah. To a degree. But it's his vision with NXT that really made the next wave of superstars for the WWE. And then, unfortunately, when he had his health issues, he had to step away. Obviously, what happened after that is a totally different story. That's because not his fault. That's not his fault. And obviously, the powers that be that were running things at the time mm-hmm. tore his vision down, removed people that were set in place. You now have NXT 2.0, hit or miss, depending on how you feel about it. Right. And now, with Triple H back at the helm of talent relations, this is a huge win. And oh, yeah. and like I say, I can't stress enough how much of a PR win this is considering this the allegations with Vince McMahon. Mm-hmm. But that was the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, no kidding. What happens next? Uh, so what happened next uh, was dropped right after the stock market closed at 4 p.m. on Friday. 
uh, and I'm reading from another press release on WWE.com or from uh, WWEcorporate.WWE.com. Uh, and this reads, Stanford, Connecticut, July 22nd, 2022. Vince McMahon today released the following statement, quote, As I approach 77 years old, I feel it's time for me to retire as chairman and CEO of WWE. Throughout the years, it's been a privilege to help WWE uh, bring you joy, inspire you, thrill you, surprise you, and and always entertain you. I would like to thank my family uh, for mightily contributing to our success, and I would also like to thank all of our past and present superstars and employees for their dedication and passion for our brand. Most importantly, I would like to thank our fans for allowing us into your homes every week and being your choice of entertainment. I hold the deepest appreciation and admiration for our generations of fans all over the world who have liked, currently like, and sometimes even love our form of sports entertainment. Our global audience can take comfort in knowing WWE will continue to entertain you with the same uh, fervor, dedication, and passion as always. I am extremely confident in the continued success of WWE, and I leave our company in the capable hands of an extraordinary group of superstars, employees, and executives. In particular, both Chairwoman and Co-CEO Stephanie McMahon and Co-CEO Nick Khan, as the majority shareholder, I will continue to support WWE in any way I can. My personal thanks to our community and business partners, shareholders, and board of directors for their guidance and support through the years, then, now, forever, together, close quote. A lot to digest here. Mm-hmm. Now, if you've been listening to the whole 607 Podcast family, you know we have all been very vocal about the allegations against Vince McMahon. Yep. Don't feel like supporting the product. We haven't. He is now gone from the company. That's why we're actually talking WWE this week. Mm-hmm. And we have to really break it down like this. The allegations are what forced him out the door. Let's yeah. be honest about this. Yeah, it is. This is the right move for Vince. Mm-hmm. This is the right move for WWE. Mm-hmm. Obviously, with those allegations, they did bring a very, very bad light onto the product. Mm-hmm. And especially Vince. And you can say what you will. Morally, we've always said he's a scumbag. Yeah. I'll say legally, he did nothing wrong. Correct. At, at least that we're aware of right now. As we record. As we currently record, you know, in July of 2022. As, as we know, they, he has done nothing wrong legally. Now, that could change, you know, obviously card subject to change. Mm-hmm. But as of this recording, he has not done anything wrong legally. There are still investigations going into his actions by the board of directors with WWE, also with the SEC, yep. which is a whole other ball of wax. Oh, yeah. You know, so as, as the saying goes, card sub, subject to change. But like we said, legally, as we know, he did nothing wrong. Morally, he's a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? and and we can't condone or endorse or sign off on that. You know, just it goes against what we think is right for a person to do, and we can't support it. Exactly. So when news of this broke, there's a lot of reaction to this because we, you mostly have to rem- hell for we thought hell froze over. Oh, absolutely! Because if you if you know anything about Vince McMahon, we all thought he was gonna die mm-hmm. in that chairman's chair. Mm-hmm. That he was never leaving there. He was gonna be literally on his deathbed, still signing deals and making stuff happen. I was explaining this to my girlfriend Liz Bailey because she's a relatively new fan. She's mm-hmm. she hasn't been around WWE all that long, 
And and I compared it kind of to how, you know, I was telling her, I was like, I never thought I, I go, this is surprising. She goes, why is it surprising? I go, because I never thought I'd read it. I never thought I'd read He Retired. I always thought I'd wake up one morning, open my phone after turning the alarm off, hop on a Twitter, Reddit, or Facebook, or whatever I opened first, and seeing the, the headline right there that Vincent McMahon had passed away. Yeah. And that's how he would leave the company. I said I'd never in a million years expected to read the words, he's voluntarily retiring. Well, I think that he understands the situation he's in, and he created this bed, so he's got a lie in it. And I think that he understands what him leaving means to the company that he has built. Because if he stayed, it would have got much worse, in my opinion. I don't think there's any question of this. But we have to look back at what he's done and why this is such a big move. The the era of pro wrestling that you're watching right now is due to Vince McMahon. Mm-hmm. Take a look at his business accolades. And that's all you really need to focus on of why he is so important and why this move is so, so historic. Right. From the time that he took over this company and really blew it up in the 1980s, mm-hmm. where we now had the invention of pay-per-view, and he yeah. really capitalized with that with WrestleMania. Yep. He was the one that really put the entertainment in this business because he started creating characters larger than life. Yeah. Hulk Hogan, oh, yeah. the ultimate warrior, Macho Man Randy Savage. He really started creating those characters that, that mm-hmm. were... On the indies, maybe doing some things here and there, but they became oh, yeah. superstars under his watch. I didn't watch pro. It's been well documented on the show. I didn't watch pro wrestling as a kid just because my mom didn't want to watch want me to watch it. Mm-hmm. She had she had seen flipping channels, how you know violent it got, and no, that's not for you. Even as a kid who didn't watch pro wrestling, you know, especially before the Attitude Era and Austin and NWO and all and all that stuff. I still knew and had heard the name Hulk Hogan. Mm. I had still heard the name and knew the voice of Macho Man Randy Savage. And I was a kid who watched zero seconds of pro wrestling as a a kid. Yeah, and that's something that is credited to Vince because he started creating this in the 80s. Obviously, the 90s was a change in the room because... (laughs) A little bit. Well, you had the steroid scandal. Yeah. You had upstart companies like WCW start yeah. getting on television, yeah. and Monday Night Wars. You had upstart, upstart independents such as yeah. ECW start making noise in the late 90s. You had a real change in your temp. And as, a, as somebody that really had a grasp at the time of what the public wanted, he shifted away from the traditional good guy versus bad guy and brought you the Attitude Era, where there was no real heels or faces. You just had characters. And the biggest superstar to come out of that era was Stone Cold Steve Austin. Mm-hmm. But right behind him was a guy that you might know this day, The Rock, Dwayne right. Johnson, and where he ran with those guys and really created some magic along with a Triple H and Shawn Michaels. And he had all these characters, that, or these wrestlers that became characters and became larger-than-life figures and became pop culture. Like That's the one thing that we always have to bring back to. It's one thing to talk about a genre and something that's so niche as pro wrestling, but without Vince, that never becomes the pop culture business that it is today. And looking at what he's done, getting on cable television, doing stadium shows, traveling worldwide with your brand, and obviously making it more and more big worldwide. Mm -hmm. And to see where it's gone now with creating superstars like John Cena, 
Batista, right. some of your favorite action movie stars right. have come from the WWE. Mm-hmm. It's just a weird scenario that has happened, but this also proves of his vision of taking this brand and going as far as he can with it from his own streaming network, which at the time was unheard of, that we all have to remember about that. Yeah. The, the WWE yeah. network yeah. was revolutionary. Yeah. And what it did is it took away the pay-per-view option from most of your cable providers. Pretty much. And offered it as a plus for being a subscriber, which is unheard of. Well, I think for a while the pay-per-view option was still there, but you were absolutely asinine to make that choice. Rather pay $50 or whatever it is or 10 bucks. Yeah. I mean, the option was always still there, but it's like, but you touched it right on the head. He offered the consumer something brand new mm-hmm. that it was unheard of. Yeah. And say what you will, but it's his vision that got him there. Now, has the vision become a little dated? Yeah. Yeah. You have to say, because when yeah. you start looking at the product, it started really falling behind and not connecting as mm-hmm. much. And I mean, pop culture is pop culture. Everything sure. comes and goes. Like, sure. You take a look at when something as old as new again. That yeah. happens quite often. And in, in yeah. wrestling was the same thing. There was lulls that it was not as, as big as it was at mm-hmm. one point, but it still was doing mega business. And from that has spawned into what it is now, where you take a look at how many millions of people are watching SmackDown on Friday nights. That is unheard of that on a network television channel, you have pro wrestling. Mm -hmm. You take a look at a deal that is coming up that is going to be in the billions to air WWE programming. Oh, yeah. And if you don't think that that's going to be a record-setting deal, I'm going to tell you right now, check your math. Yeah, really. Like, obviously, with all this stuff going on, you would think, oh, that's going to take a hit. It's not going to be as expensive. No, it's still going to be as expensive because despite all of this going on, SmackDown's still the number one show on Friday nights. Mm-hmm. Monday Night Raw is still usually within the top three, top five. It's still doing good ratings. It still does great ratings. So it's still, despite everything going on, it's still a juggernaut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is something that is all due to Vince. Like I say, morally as a person, not so good. No. But for what he did to the business, he did some a lot of good things. He's also done some bad things. Like like we say, it's, it's more or less uh, destroyed a lot of the indies, mm-hmm. so to speak. Obviously, him buying WCW is still a polarizing move that uh, a lot of fans still have a certain reaction to to this day. Right. Because co- when you have competition in wrestling, it's always a good thing. But if there was no Vince McMahon, there damn sure would be no Tony Khan. This is true. And you would think there would be no Paul Heyman. And there would not be a lot of independent promoters still trying to do this as they are. I looked up some quick numbers. um, So for last night's episode of Monday Night Raw, uh, this comes from at Jedi Goodman on Twitter. Uh, During the 8 o'clock hour, Monday Night Raw did 2.019 million viewers. 9 o'clock did 1.9 million viewers, and then 10 o'clock did 1.7 million viewers, which is which is nor- what normally happens for WWE. Mm-hmm. It starts out big, goes down a little bit. Um, obviously, up from last week, uh, he goes on to say it was number one, two, and three on cable in the 18 to 49 demo. The only show to beat it on television last night in the 18 to 49 demo was The Bachelorette on ABC. Yeah. So that's including. Every other sport, any other sporting game that was on television, that's including, you know, all the news channel programming that was on last night, which usually do pretty well for their ratings. Mm-hmm. But Raw was still top three all night. And that's all due to Vince's vision. Like we say, you think about what he's done with streaming and what he's done with yeah. television and yeah. what he's done now with video games. And now yeah. 
some of this stuff, like we say, has been mostly win, and some of it has not been. XFL comes to mind. That was a big L that he took. And, Twice. Yeah, and he's still, you know, that was something. But he's also somebody that doesn't take L's and yeah. refuses to. So to see him step down like this is a big move, and you can give him his flowers for what he did to the business because mm-hmm. he made a lot of your superstars that you're watching, whether it's in WWE, mm-hmm. AEW, or the Indies. Mm-hmm. Vince had a a little bit of credit for how big they got in some certain degree. And even if you're not a, a pro wrestling fan, even if you're just like an entertainment fan, if you like Dwayne Johnson movies, you can thank Vince McMahon for putting Dwayne Johnson on your screens. Because mm-hmm. I don't think without WWE and obviously WWF, but as big as he got, I don't think the rock would have had the opportunity to make the jump like he did. Obviously, the charisma's there and, and, you know, the humors that was always there. Just without the exposure, I don't know if he'd make that jump. Same for John Cena. You know, for for as everywhere as John Cena is, because John Cena and Dwayne Johnson pretty much have the same work schedules. They don't stop working. Mm-hmm. They're everywhere. You know, without WWE, I don't think they we see them on, on television screens and big screens. You don't. You don't. I'll be honest with you. You don't. He gave a lot of opportunities to some people, and in some cases it flourished. Yeah. Some it didn't, but that's the one thing about the business is if it doesn't work somewhere else, you can leave and go to a different federation and sure. really blow up there. I mean, if you want to take a look at exact, exactly, you would think maybe Chris Jericho because yeah. he had moderate success in yeah. WCW. Yeah. But when he came to WWE, he yeah. became oh, you, yeah. know, you know, Mr. Y2J, and then yeah. look at what he's done there. It just depends on what you do with that vision. Like I say, Vince is not a home run guy. Like he no. he didn't bat a thousand. No, but he did enough for the business that we can say thank you for what you did. Well, so the average was still good when it came as to what he did on TV. On TV, yeah, for what he did for the business, yeah, a lot more good than bad. But outside of the business, he's whole, a piece of shit. Yeah, whole whole different ball of wax. But he is gone now. And the structure that has been rumored to be in place ever since CM Punk decided to drop that pipe bomb in Vegas all those years ago. Boy, he's got a thing for telling the future. Yeah, that we all knew that this plan was in place. So this is not super shocking. So between that and then telling Kevin Nash, the fans will be chanting my name after I'm gone. Boy, yeah. two for two there, there uh, Phil. Yeah, he's he's definitely got his marks in when he when he needed to. But that was the biggest prediction ever because during the infamous pipe bomb promo, mm-hmm. he said the company will get turned over to Stephanie and Triple H. Well, I think that was a foregone conclusion. It was just a matter of you know the HBO succession type of thing. You know which kid would get it? Mm-hmm. Would it be Shane or would it be Stephanie? And Stephanie, that's that's a foregone. That was a foregone conclusion from and, the day they were born. And you know the the thing about it is Stephanie makes a lot of sense because oh she, yeah she has been hands on in the business. She is very cutthroat, mm-hmm. and if anybody doesn't think that she is really like Vince in that sense, oh you are sadly mistaken. I'll say there's a reason she gets you know, and she's very savvy because there's a reason she gets all of these awards for like business women and like I mean, corporate leaders and all this. Like they're not puff pieces. They're not hey, let's make you look good and give you a nice puff piece in Forbes. Mm-hmm. Like no, she's winning these awards because she's good at what she does on the business side of things. She's very excellent with the business, and that's why she is going to be a monster in this industry because she'll be taking care of a lot of the wrestling aspect. Oh, oh, yeah. Nick Khan might be co-CEO, mm-hmm. but I guarantee you he is only going to focus on the money deals. He's going to focus on the money deals. He's going to focus on the entertainment deals, and then I think where they'll come together is they'll come together when she needs to sell them on the wrestlers on the 
getting getting the investors or the uh, companies looking you know to work with them you know past the stigma of wrestling and just kind of the oh it, it's a nasty thing it's 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 a low form of sport mm. you know so i th- i think nick will by and large will do the entertainment stuff so streaming deals tv deals corporate deals you know but i think when they need to sell hey Amazon Prime's looking at doing an, a documentary series on the founding and the starting of WWE, but they're not quite sure about it. And then the whole thing, that's when she'll get brought in. Yeah, and it makes a lot of sense to do that. So you have two very excellent people at the top of the yeah. business chain here. They're going to do a lot of big things. WWE had the record year last year. I think they're going to eclipse that next year. Probably, yeah. I think they have all the potential in the world to do it. But that wasn't the only big move that happened, though. No, yeah, so obviously we had the news that Triple H is back. As So just to recap quickly in case we're losing you. Uh, first bit of news was Triple H is back as the uh, executive vice president and the head of talent relations. Vince is gone. Uh, coupled with that, Nick Khan and Stephanie McMahon are co-CEOs. Uh, also, it came down on, oh, God, what was this, Monday? Monday. Mondays we record. That Triple H was named the head of WWE Creative. Uh, and I'm reading from an article courtesy of SportsIllustrated.com. Which reads, quote, with Vince McMahon gone, Paul Triple H Levesque is now in charge of WWE Creative. The fallout from McMahon's retirement continued on Monday with WWE announcing that Levesque will assume all responsibilities related to WWE's creative in addition to his regular duties. Levesque is also WWE's Executive Vice President of Talent Relations, a role that he assumed last week just hours before McMahon's retirement was made public. Bruce Pritchard will remain part of WWE, recre- uh, WWE Creative and report to Levesque. The 52-year-old Levesque taking over Creative is a monumental change for both WWE's present and future. The company has been defined by McMahon's creative vision for four decades. Even while being invested for, uh, investigated for the scandal that led to his retirement, McMahon remained in charge of Creative until retiring last Friday. Uh, close quote. This is a big move. Uh-huh. And I'm going to read a quick quote from Tony Khan via Twitter, mm-hmm. which on Friday when Vince retired, this got tweeted out. Quote, thanks to you wrestling fans and your great support of AEW. I am grateful to now be the longest tenured CEO in pro wrestling. Thank you very much. Every single person watches AEW on TV. See you Friday night for Rampage on TNT Drama, to paraphrase, end quote. So the minute this got said, we all said this is going to be a bad look. I also threw something. Yeah. Because this is fucking dumb. It's a stupid quote, and now I feel that this quote is going to be monumental. Also, side note, he's not the longest tenured wrestling CEO in in, in the world. Uh, If you want to go international, as Rich pointed out on 607TWS, New Japan Pro Wrestling goes longer. Yes. And then there's even some federations in North America that go longer than you, Tony. Yes. So the fact that this tweet got put out... I believe that this is WWE's response. I'll say, yeah, somebody take Tony's phone away. He's going to tank the company. Because in this situation, Triple H getting now both creative and talent relations mm-hmm. is AEW's worst nightmare. Because there are there are a few guys in that company that they could have easily just handed over uh, creative control to. Bruce Pritchard, as mentioned, Paul Heyman is still there. Mm-hmm. You know, they could have brought in. They could have brought somebody else in. But they decided to go, you know, they decided to get the big hitter off the bench and and put him in the pinch hit, so to speak. Yes. You know, in Triple H. And the thing that we touched upon, as you heard what he made with NXT, he now has the entire main roster Mm -hmm. at his disposal. Mm -hmm. And he's got some of the best wrestlers in the world 
say what you will or your personal rankings, but Roman, Seth, Kevin Owens, uh, Rollins, you know, Edge, AJ Styles, J- Bianca Belair, Charlotte, Becky Lynch, just to name a few. And he has got pull that he can definitely bring back some people that we haven't seen on TV, mm-hmm. such as possibly a, a Sasha Banks, possibly a Naomi. Wouldn't surprise me. Possibly a free agent that's out there like a Johnny Gargano, mm-hmm. a and, Bray and, Wyatt. And there's been multiple reports since this all came down that there are folks who are you know behind the scenes wrestlers on other companies that might not have given WWE the time of day because they the culture and Vince and not liking it, mm-hmm. but are now kind of looking at it going, you know, now that might not be such a bad idea. No, absolutely not, because Triple H is going to completely revolutionize that roster. Not immediately, but no. eventually, yes. Exactly. The, he plays the long game better than anybody. Oh, yeah. So we're going to see the start of that this week as we're talking about SummerSlam in the next segment. Oh, so, yeah, probably, probably with some of the stuff on Saturday, yeah. Oh, absolutely. But for the short term, this is literally AEW's worst nightmare. Oh, absolutely. Especially after that tweet. And mark my words. You done poked the fucking bear. Exactly. The fact that that tweet came out, I always kind of refer it to when Iman Shumper was telling the story about Kobe Bryant. <laughs> Great video. You should, if you haven't seen it, you should look it up on YouTube. It's fantastic. And to paraphrase, Amon Shumper was playing Kobe in the garden. In the garden when he was with the New York Knicks, and he he slowed down Kobe. He held Kobe. He held Kobe down for three quarters. Yeah, and Kobe at the beginning of the fourth quarter looked at him and said, "You had a great game." And, and Shumper looked at the clock and goes, "Great game." It's like twelve minutes left. Yeah, and then Kobe went on to drop. I forget how many points to well, win it, the game. It was like thirty or forty or something like it, that. It yeah. was something ridiculous. That this reminds me of that tweet and that and what Triple H is going to do. I am rooting for AEW to succeed. I really am. I want to stress that first and foremost. But with a very, very bad decision to tweet what Tony did on Friday night, in Mm -hmm. my opinion, this is going to come back to haunt him. This is going to be like when they announced on WCW that Mick Foley won the world title on Monday Night Raw and half their audience switched. And, and, And it's also bad for AEW. And if you don't think it is, let me throw this at you. You, you went from Vince McMahon being in charge and a guy that never saw AEW as a threat, never saw them as real competition. They were just another brand out there, you know, is what it never worried about them, never gave them the time of day, openly mentioned them in investor calls, mm-hmm. didn't care that much, despite what, you know, AEW fans might think that, oh, he's scared of us. You've now gone from him to a guy in Triple H who, let's be honest, lost the Wednesday Night Wars. You know, mm-hmm. NXT was on Wednesday nights from the time it left, I think even back to when it was just on the WWE Network. Yeah. You know, went from Wednesdays to Tuesdays. He lost on Monday, the Wednesday night wars and had to sit there and listen to and hear and see all the stuff online about how he lost and how AEW was kicking their ass and they were beating them in the ratings and the demographics and this and that. You don't think he's fucking pissed off? You don't think he's got a, an axe to grind, so to speak? and doesn't want to win, you're fooling yourself. He's now got basically an unlimited budget because, let's face it, Tony Khan works on a budget. Mm-hmm. Kevin Owens was thinking of going to AEW. It's been widely reported, but AEW couldn't match WWE's offer. Oh, sure. So Triple H has now got some of the best wrestlers in the world, a budget where he has no limit, unlike Tony Khan, and he's got a company that he doesn't have to worry about the money for. And, AW screwed. And there's also one factor that you didn't touch upon. Yeah. When Tony made that comment about Vince. Yeah. Who do you think I'm the most angry about that? 
the new CEO. Ew, Stephanie, yeah. because if you're going to talk shit about her dad, yeah. how do you think that's going over, yeah. especially for how cutthroat she can get? Oh, yeah. Don't think that that tweet she is might just not a forgotten agree. She, tweet. She might not agree with everything her dad has said or done over the years, but family's still family. Uh-huh. And if it wasn't for Vince, she wouldn't be in this position. Holy shit, why is Dominic Toretto at the door? Exactly. It's all about family. family. So you're going to see a brand new WWE start rolling out in the next couple of weeks. I think it starts slowly. I did watch you know, Monday Night Raw last night, and... From what's been reported, especially by the Dave Meltzers of the world, that you know Raw was still written by Vince on Thursday, which mm. I, I kind of got the based on the Miz segment alone last night. It yeah, it kind of had that vibe. Had to that it. had that vibe to it, but there were some noticeable, I think, little differences. There weren't as many as the bouncing back and forth and left and right cameras like they used to do. So there was some small stuff, um, but I think we're really going to start seeing some of the changes, like you said, with SummerSlam, and then I think starting next week because. There's no way they're going to change plans and scripts the week of a fucking pay-per-view, especially one of their biggest ones of the year. I think if we're going to see any changes, it's going to be start slowly, starting slowly on Saturday and then obviously full force on Monday. It's going to be something very interesting to watch, but for now the change of the guard, which we as wrestling fans never thought we would see, this is big news. Mm-hmm. This is monster news. And no, it's not just because we can talk WWE again here on the ODPH. Mm-hmm. This is really a game-changing move in the landscape of pro wrestling. Well, and to anyone who might think we might see Vince McMahon again, hell no. No, he's gone. He's done, done. Especially I'm reading from an article on CNBC.com. The article reads, quote, The Securities and Exchange Commission and federal prosecutors have launched probes into payments made by World Wrestling Entertainment CEO Vince McMahon to settle allegations of sexual misconduct, according to a new report from the Wall Street Journal. The WWE on Monday disclosed $14.6 million in previously unrecorded expenses paid personally by McMahon, who announced his retirement on Friday. The company also hinted that the misconduct allegations, already the subject of an ongoing independent review overseen by the board of directors, are under investigation by other entities, but did not specify which agencies. Uh, Close quote. So... The, the $14.6 million is on top of the 13 or whatever it was that was previously recorded, mm-hmm. reported by the, the Washington, uh, the Wall Street Journal, excuse me. So we're now upwards of like $30 million that have been paid out. You've now got the federal government investigating. And with the federal and government investigating, the last thing WWE is going to want to do is have Vince come trotting out for any reason whatsoever. So... I don't care how much time goes on. You're never going to see him again on television or pay-per-view or anything. I never say never, but I would tend to lead. We will not see him on TV. I, I have to say that with you. I just rule it out with Vince. You never know because with his ego, he's also the guy that told the government to go kiss his ass during the steroid scandal. Right. Well, and, you know, like I say, I'm, I'm not saying it's not you're well, not right. Well, no. And the only reason I bring this up is there were some people who thought, oh, maybe he just weathered the storm, wait this out, you know, still hold his percent stake. And then eventually once the, you know, the fire burns down or burns out, come back storming like a bat out of hell. Nah. No, I'm, not at no, this age. No, no way. not when you've got the, the SEC and federal prosecutors on top of unnamed uh, entities, which to me says lawsuits. Oh, yeah. He's going to be tied up in litigation for all the, the stuff he's been accused of. We've already talked about that at length in nauseum that he has got basically his own battles now to deal with. But the one place he's not going to be doing it is on WWE programming. 
and behind the scenes. It's, this is now the Stephanie and Triple H show, love it or hate it. Mm-hmm. But as a wrestling fan, you got to be excited about a breath of fresh air coming in. Mm-hmm. And if you're an AEW fan, you got to be concerned to, oh, yeah. a, to a degree. Yeah. Unless you're not screaming hashtag I'm with AEW. Right. And you're just a wrestling fan. Because for me, I watch both shows. Mm-hmm. I'm very open about this. I watch both. This is something that I think is great because when you have competition, you have people pushed to their limits. You have Mm -hmm. people bringing out the best in them. And for AEW, this is what I want to see. I don't want to see them trying to compare themselves with WWE. I want to see them focus on their own product. They have a big pay-per-view coming up at the end of the month or in the end of August. Sure. They need to make that the best card they can Mm -hmm. because now – Momentum has shifted away from them a bit. Yeah, and, and for even me, who doesn't watch AEW, it's well-documented on the show. Mm-hmm. Even I'm noticing some hardcore AEW fans start to get a little frustrated with the show because, as I've said before, this Squared Circle subreddit, which is a pro wrestling subreddit for all things pro wrestling, you know, doesn't matter what federation, you can talk about it. But it does skew in terms of the big two, big three if you want to count Impact, or big four if you want to count New Japan, does skew very pro AEW. You know, and listen, it is what it is. I got no, I got no qualms about it. It's, it's fine. But even they're starting to talk about how, you know, it lacks direction and they're not really quite sure where things are going. That like Forbidden Door was a nice, fun side trip or like a side mission in a video game. Mm. But it's it's lacking focus and direction now because you're so your fucking CEO and head Booker is so focused on one up in Vince and one up in his competition. He ain't focusing on his in-house stuff. Yeah, and now for him, I hope he takes advantage of the resources around him, as in the wrestling knowledge of a William Regal, of an Arn Anderson. William Regal for as long as he's there, because I'm willing to bet with Triple H, the head of creative, (laughs) he might be looking at his contract and seeing when that comes up. Or he's seeing how to get out of it. Uh That's not out of the realm of thought, because Regal was Triple H's right-hand man in NXT. Oh, yeah. This is something for AEW that is going to be a very sober, sobering moment that the Kool-Aid drinking that you guys have been doing is now come back to haunt you because what you need to do starting Wednesday is really hone in on your roster, hone in on your storylines, make it the best dynamite you can. Because if everybody is talking about WWE, mm-hmm. and you can go to every single wrestling journalist site, you can go to everything on social media, it has been dominated yeah. by WWE news. Yeah. For AEW, the recommendation is this. Stay in your lane. Exactly. Drown it out. Focus on the show. Make it the best you can. And then worry about the weekend after. Because obviously Rampage is going to get taped the same night. Worry about your programming there. Because with WWE having the momentum they do now, they still got a show on Friday night. Mm -hmm. And they have a monster show on Saturday. Yeah, they do. That if AEW is too worried about what they're doing and losing track of what they're having in-house, mark my words, that tweet might have been the kiss of death. And this is going to be something for wrestling fans to be watching moving forward. That being said, we gave you our takes. Now hit us on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHPod. Let us know your takes on the whole WWE shakeup. Are you happy with Triple H taking over? What about Stephanie and Nick Khan, now the new CEOs? And what's your thoughts about Vince McMahon's legacy in pro wrestling? Let's have those discussions, shall we? 
We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Looking for a podcast all about nerddom? Want a podcast with an emphasis on representation? The Nerd Alternative is the podcast for you. Join me, Ram. Me, Hassan. And me, Levi. Three black British nerds tackling the pop culture we love and sharing why we love them. The Nerd Alternative, a sweet melting pot of all things nerdy. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And let us talk about the WWE's big event going down this Saturday as we record. Mm-hmm. Pad, what we got? Uh, so they're taking place this Saturday, July 30th at 8 p.m. Eastern on Peacock here in the States. Uh, WWE Network or pay-per-view overseas uh, is SummerSlam, their annual summer event, the biggest party of the summer, taking place uh, in a Nissan Stadium, the home of the Tennessee Titans in Nashville, Tennessee. So, obviously, this is the WWE's third biggest show of the year. Uh, obviously, WrestleMania is the first one. Royal Rumble is the second. Oh, okay. So, this would have to fall under the third of the original big four pay-per-views, if you still count Survivor Series, which has definitely fallen off. Yeah. I would say that's obviously been replaced by Money in the Bank, but that's yeah. just me. I know that. But this one, obviously, getting filled in the stadium is a very big deal that you're seeing under the Nick Khan regime. A lot more stadium shows for oh, these yeah. big premium events i need to remember it's no longer paper premium live events premium live events try saying that three times fast so that being said it's the big party of the summer for the wwe so we're going to break down the card and give you our predictions so pad kick us off uh, yes we've got nine count them nine matches taking place on this card uh and the first one we're going to talk about uh is that was one that was set up last night on monday night raw and it is between the mysterios and dominic mysterio and ray mysterio taking on the judgment day in damian priest and finn balor uh with rhea ripley at ringside so this is kind of an interesting setup. This is the faction that originally was under Edge mm-hmm. when uh, Edge decided to do his heel turn. And then somewhere along the way, they decided to have Edge go face, mm-hmm. should al- say. Yeah, I should also note this is a no-disqualification tag team match. Hmm. So now Finn Balor is running this faction, which is pretty interesting to say the least. Mm-hmm. Rhea Ripley has been out for a while dealing with some uh, injuries. Yep. So. Yep. This is going to be an interesting matchup, to say the least. Obviously, booking relatively short-term, but still, it will make sense. Uh, this could go a lot of different ways, especially being no DQ. I fully think we'll see Edge in this match. Could be. They've been they've been teasing it a lot, and especially on Monday Night Raw, they were doing more of those kind of vignettes where it's like glimpses of, like, if you pay attention, former superstars and some of their gear, remember? Or, like, something connecting to them. And, and the person or the figure was writing quote-unquote air quotes blood on a mirror that said i'm returning to and then it cut before i could say where it was returning to so we might see edge show up for this one uh Maybe. the long shot is bray wyatt yeah i know that rich from 3fn has got a great theory about it they talked about six or seven tws i could see that happening here but i think at the end of the day i think the judgment day wins yeah I think Mysterios are going to be taking the, the loss here. I could see Dominic breaking up with his father and setting up a little feud there as yeah, well. Yeah, because I guess they've been teasing that for a couple of weeks. Yeah, it's been kind of hinted at here and there. I don't think Dominic is ready for prime time, in my personal opinion. But no, no. I think he'd be great to go back to NXT for a little bit and really hone the craft a little more. But nevertheless, I'm going to take the Judgment Day on this one. Pad, what you got? I'm going to take the Judgment Day just because i got to say, with the Damian Priest and Finn Balor, I'm getting real like Prince Devitt, Bad Luck Fale. Bullet Club circa like 2013, mm, whatever it okay. is. I'm getting real like Bullet Club, you know, vibes off of these guys just because they're being real smarmy and real dicks to everybody. And they're just kind of going around and they're wrecking shit and leaving. I'm here for that. Uh, I'm going to say uh, Judgment Day, though. Okay. Next up, 
uh, is between in a singles matchup between Logan Paul and The Miz. Yes, you heard right. Logan Paul, the uh, social media influencer, head mm-hmm. of Impulsive. Yep. A wrestler that, and we have to say wrestler because he has signed a deal with WWE. Don't know how long, but he has signed a deal. Uh Uh-huh. That did make an appearance this past year. Uh, The Paul brothers have been kind of hovering around They're polarizing. They they definitely are. So, obviously, if you're a fan of them, you're super excited to see them. If you're not, you're going to be super excited to see them lose. I will say this, though. From the times they've been in WWE programming, they've handled themselves very well. They've they've definitely taken the art of pro wrestling very seriously. Mm -hmm. So I fully expect Logan Paul to show up for this and definitely do some really cool work with The Miz because The Miz is one of the best wrestlers that has been a staple in the WWE for many, many years, and there's a reason why. Oh, yeah. No, and you had Logan putting Miz technically open raw last night uh it was mid brawl Mm -hmm. they were fighting to start the show you had uh, logan paul do his impulsive tv you know on the show where he interviewed the miz got gotta say you should check out the video got some shots in on the miz whoa boy um but no this should be good logan does seem to be taking this seriously you know especially when he fought with miz the second time later in the night Mm -hmm. you know they did that whole where like one wrestler runs at the other one and and the second one like tackles him down to the ground yeah in that like stereotypical style, Logan nailed it perfectly. You know, oh, so that's cool. Yeah, so Logan definitely seems to be taking you know his time with the craft and definitely seems to be coming to it. He's impressed. That little brawl did impress me because it didn't look like a, a quote unquote celebrity famous person trying to fight and just like oh I'm trying to fight like a real person. Like no, he looked like he was fighting like you see in the ring when two guys are brawling. So I, I gotta say, for as much as I'm not a huge fan of his, I was impressed. Yeah, I gotta say this: that WWE has been very smart about bringing in their celebrities. Mm-hmm. We've seen this with Bad Bunny. Yeah, we've now seen this with Logan Paul. Yeah, so they're getting very smart about who they're bringing in, and definitely making sure that they can hold up in the ring. That they don't want to make it into a farce. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that they have been shining at lately. Pat McAfee is another one. Yeah, we'll talk yeah. about him a little later in the segment. Oh yeah. But with Logan Paul, I think he's definitely going to make a big impression here. I think that he might turn some haters into fans. And I think he gets the win here. I'm going to say DQ because of Champa. Okay. I think it's going to come close to Logan getting the win, but because Tommaso Champa has been partnered with Miz uh, for a little bit, uh, and especially the fucking promo Champa cut on. Um, oh my god! Cut last night. Holy shit! Uh, I think Champa is going to run interference like right as Logan's about to get the win and cost uh, Logan and get the DQ. If you have not seen that promo, go out Oof. of your way to go check that. That is some fantastic Oof. work. Yeah, it is. Uh, next up is a singles matchup for the WWE Raw Women's Championship, and you've got Bianca Belair defending her belt against Becky Lynch. So we got to give a little backstory about this. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, last year they had a situation where Sasha could not wrestle Bianca at SummerSlam. Yep. They had a short-notice replacement by Becky Lynch, who was returning after maternity leave. Becky won in something like 18 seconds. Yeah, it was a ridiculous amount of time. It was. And the storyline has been hovering around when Bianca would get back to taking on Becky in a bigger spotlight. This is now where we are. According to the Wikipedia page for last year's uh, SummerSlam, the match took place in 27 seconds. Yeah, it was very short. But obviously with Becky coming back, it was... it was almost a no-win situation because if Becky had come back with that monster pop and, and gotten yeah. beat, yeah. it would have been a bad situation for Bianca. It, it, it was no win. But they're writing that wrong here. They're going to give them ample amount of time. This could be the co-main event, to be honest with you. I could see that fully happening oh, here. easily. And I think that Bianca is going to get the big win in front of the stadium crowd. I think they're going to put on a fantastic match. It could be match of the night, to be honest with you. Could be. 
But I think that at the end of the day, Bianca is the future of the women's division. She's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And just wait till you see her in the spotlight here with Becky. Because Becky, listen, is used to being in the spotlight, main eventing WrestleMania and such. This is going to be a big deal. Mm-hmm. I, I think Bianca's going to get the win uh, here. Listen, Becky doesn't need the belt. She's, mm-hmm. she's big enough without the belt. And I think it's going to lead up lead to a call-up on Monday. Ooh. I think we're going to see uh, Toxic Attraction on Monday. But you're going to have Bianca come out and be like, hey, listen, I've beaten everyone here. Who's there left for me to beat? In comes Toxic Attraction, kicks her butt and goes, hey, here's one person you haven't beaten. I will say this. If you have not been watching NXT 2.0, and, I can, and like I said, we've talked about this. It's not for everybody. It's very much the WWE Vince McMahon yep. touch. Yep. Mandy Rose talk about a resurgence might be the MVP of that program. And like you touched upon that is a resurgence for her character, her demeanor. She, when she makes her return up to the main roster, she's going to be a superstar. Like, right. Right. And and we all figured it's, it's gotta be coming up soon, but I think just given the fact that she was on what the Ryan Satin's podcast or whatever it was, and, and she mm. made the comment about how she's ready to come up to the main roster and give, just give, which any other point in the year, I'd be like, oh, okay, well, that's just her saying, hey, I'm, you know, just kind of giving an interview. But given the fact that it happened like a week or two, week, week and a half, right before SummerSlam, and right before in years past, we would see call-ups from NXT. Mm-hmm. Very interesting timing. It's very interesting timing, but the one great thing about NXT is they do have a, a next person up. Yeah, they do. And Roxanne Perez is going to be the future of that division down mm-hmm. there. Her and Cora Jade are going to start a feud. Cora Jade dropping the belt in the in the trash. Yo. Well, yeah, that's a whole different story. But I'm telling you right now that that's going to be a must-watch feud. Yeah. And it, I don't doubt Roxanne getting the belt from Mandy before she goes up. I'm going to say it right now. If you haven't seen her formerly known as Roxy wrestle, especially in Ring of Honor pre-Tony Khan, Roxanne is going to be the future of that division. Oh, Mark yeah. my words. So that being said, Mandy comes up. That's a perfect foil for Bianca, and I can't yeah. wait to see that happen. That's going to be a huge move. Huge. Oh, yeah. Uh, next up is a singles matchup uh, between Riddle taking on Seth freaking Rollins. So this is kind of short notice a little bit, a little bit. for their feud. This is almost like a plug-and-play. But listen, when the roster has talented stars like this on it, you can definitely make this happen. It's mm-hmm. just kind of how everything shaped up with injuries and such happening with both Randy yeah. Orton and Cody Rhodes. Yep. So this feud has kind of been put together, but this one will be a very solid match. Oh, easily. Rollins and uh, Riddle actually have really good chemistry together, which yeah, I'm, I'm surprised at. I really am. But this one, I'm changing my original pick because I was going to take Riddle on this one. I am going to actually take Seth Rollins. Me too. That I think that Seth is now with Triple H at the helm of creative is going to be the go-to guy. Mm-hmm. And I think that whatever is going to happen with the main event, Seth is going to start lurking around the title picture again, which is always a good thing. You got a hint of that, too, last night as Raw went off the air because Roman was in the main event. You had the, what was it, the Bloodline taking on uh, Street Profits and Riddle in the main event. And then after the main event was over, Roman was walking back up the ramp Rollins was coming down to attack Riddle at the end of the show, and there was a very poignant and very deliberate stare down between the two. Well, that's something that could be as well, too, because I believe the stipulation with Riddle is he can't face uh, Roman for the title anymore because he lost on SmackDown. Right, right. As long as Roman is champion, he cannot challenge for the belt. So 
that could be something that Riddle could always get a plug-and-play move in there, too, if they need to, Yeah. pending on what happens in the next couple months yeah. or even at the end of the night here. So yeah. we have to wait and see. But I'm going to, like I said, my original pick, I was taking Riddle for this because I thought maybe they would try doing something with that, that he would somehow weasel his way into a match. Right. But I think now with Triple H back at the helm, I think I'm flipping my pick now. I'm, I'm flipping my – I got my pick on Rollins for the Triple H reason, but also he lost like three pay-per-view matches in a yeah. row, row to, to Cody, which, hey, I understand given Cody and new guy, returning guy and, and whatever, but like Rollins has got to get a win here. Oh, that's true. I mean, like he's, he's somebody that – he he's Seth Rollins, yeah. so it's almost like he doesn't need a win, but I could definitely see why he would need one here. Yeah. So Rollins for the win. Uh next up is a singles matchup for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship, and you've got Liv Morgan defending her belt against Ronda Rousey. So this one definitely has probably the most intrigue to the night. Mm-hmm. Because obviously Liv Morgan cashed in the money in the bank the night she won it, took advantage of a injured Ronda Rousey, got the big win. Yep. Obviously, Morgan has won over the hearts of the WWE universe. That she mm-hmm. is very well loved. She is somebody that has put in the work, and she is somebody that fans are excited to see as champion. Yeah. On the other side, we have Ronda, who is returning, and obviously has always been around the title picture. Mm-hmm. This match, I think Morgan needs it more than Rousey. Yes. I think that if they have Rousey win, mm-hmm. they're doing a serious disservice yeah. to, to live because, like I said, she's won over the fans. I don't like to say homegrown talent with the WWE main roster, mm-hmm. but Liz or Liv, Liv kind of is yeah. because she came up through NXT. Yep. She went through the Riot Squad, which was very, very popular amongst mm-hmm. the WWE universe. Yeah. That dissolves for different reasons. And now she's been kind of fluttering in the creative river there, so to speak. Yeah. Till now she's finally got momentum. She's finally in a contendership match. She wins the belt. It's the feel-good story yeah. that somebody that's put in the work, and she has vastly improved every time we've seen her in the ring. It's a, it's an organically grown champion. It's not someone who was forced down our throat. It's not somebody who was getting, you know, championship opportunity after championship opportunity and and i mean not challenge you know she was challenging for other belts she was sure she was going for the tag belt and she was going for this and that but it's it's not like you know it's not like when roman was first going for the wwe championship like 2015 2016 we're like he was just getting opportunity 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 and we're like all right we get it you want us to think he's the top guy it's organically grown she's kind of like the trials and tribulations and, and she hasn't really been forced on our throat and she's put in the work because she's vastly improved over the years. Oh, yeah. She's she's great. So I am going to say she's going to win. Yeah. And I'm going to say at the end of the match, though, Bailey comes out. So okay. we have we have a big return there that I think Bailey is going to be her next contender. She's, she's overdue. And I'm, I'm going to agree with you. I think Liv is going to uh, pick up the win. All right. Uh, next up is a tag team matchup for the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championships. And you have the Usos and Jimmy and Jay Uso defending their belt against the Street Profits and Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford. And the stipulation with this one is there is a special guest referee. T. That's double J. Jeff Jarrett is special guest referee. One night after he tries to not kill Ric Flair in the ring. Do we have, like, a reason why he was selected? Or are we filing this one under as reasons? Okay. I don't really understand why Jeff Jarrett is going to ref, but, hey, it is what it is, as we touched upon. 
Street Profits and Usos can put on great matches when WWE allows them to, and that is one thing that with Triple H back at the helm. Yeah, uh, so I'm reading from the looking up at the Wikipedia. It says, uh, quote, on the July 15th episode of SmackDown, WWE official Adam Pearce announced that WWE Hall of Famer and Nashville area native Jeff Jarrett would be the special guest referee for the match. So that's why. SummerSlam's uh, in Nashville. He's a Nashville native. There we go. Yeah, he's going to be tied up with another card that night that I really don't want to talk about. Yeah, like I said, he's going to... Friday night, rather. Like I said, Friday night, he's going to try to not kill Ric Flair in the ring. Yeah. Oh, God, that whole thing. That That's a whole different ball of wax. But for Saturday night, it's going to be an interesting show mm-hmm. with him being the special guest referee. Because I don't... Like Stone Cold Lock, rough bump. Oh, yeah, he's going to do something. <laughs> I, I could see somebody taking a guitar shot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Depending on what they want to do, it could be yeah. one of the Usos, or this could be maybe the split up of the Street Profits have been kind of hinted about for a maybe. while. This is one area that I'm going to say is a coin flip. And yeah, I think it this, really is. This is the safest bet to do, but the only thing that you can say with certainty, these two teams are going to put on a show. Uh-huh. They do some of the best work in all of tag team wrestling. I know that we always focus on the AEW tag team division, which is great, but when WWE really gives – teams as talented as these two are time to shine they do fantastic work mm-hmm. the guest referee spot is kind of interesting and i think that maybe that's going to play a factor but if i have to take anybody i am going to say and still i'm going to go with the usos who you got pat uh, i'm going to say the usos as your and still uh, i don't see them taking the belts off them anytime soon yeah, it's just one of the situations. Like, I it might happen if they want to try dissolving the bloodline and do yeah, something there. But it wouldn't surprise me if if they lose, though. No, but I would say I could see the Usos retaining, and this could be like the breakup of the Street Profits. That's mm-hmm. that's where I'm going to go with this one. Yeah. Uh, next up is a singles matchup for the WWE United States Championship, and you've got Bobby Lashley defending his belt against Theory. Well, this is an interesting match. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Theory is no longer the golden child of Vince McMahon because he's gone. Yep. Very cool skit on Monday Night Raw last Who's night. Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? So that being said... New Yorkers are very familiar with that chant. Oh, absolutely. Shout out Pedro Martinez. Mm-hmm. So this could be an interesting thing to see unfold here. Uh, but I'm going to say with Theory having the Money in the Bank briefcase... I don't see him winning this one, so no. I'm going to take Lashley for the win. No, yeah, I'm going to take Lashley, and I'm going to, I'm going to even say Hurt Lock submission. Yeah, I could definitely see that happening, too. So should be a solid match, though. These two can definitely yeah. put on a good show. So I'm definitely excited to see the match, but I'm going to say end still. Uh, next up is a singles matchup between the former uh, Indianapolis Colts teammates uh, in Pat McAfee taking <laughs> on Happy Corbin. Sentences I never thought I'd hear in WWE. I know. But here we are. Former teammates, briefly. Yep. So Pat McAfee, social media superstar, mm-hmm. influencer, if you will, yeah. host of a very successful show. Yeah, it is. And broadcaster extraordinaire who, listen, he's crushing it right now on, mm-hmm. on, on commentary. Yeah, no, I, he's, he's awesome on commentary. Yeah, I, I love hearing him on there. I never thought he would be this good when we saw him in NXT. Yeah. He is that damn good. Oh, he is. So to see him take on Baron Corbin or Happy Corbin. Corbin has stepped into the Kane role as far as the in-ring work goes. Yeah. I want to stress that. Yeah. That Corbin is the guy that they use to build feuds. He is he knows the place in the rotation. He could go in for a belt if they really wanted to push something. 
He's very solid in the ring. They're going to have a really good match, and I'm taking Pat McAfee for the win. Oh, I am too. Pat McAfee, Wilson Corbin don't need the win. Give, give Pat the rub, especially after the egregiousness that happened at WrestleMania. Yeah, so that's definitely going to go down. So I see McAfee getting the win. It's going to be the most entertaining match of the night. I'm going to say oh, that right hands now. hands down. Yeah, so definitely be excited for this one. You definitely don't want to miss that. No, and then lastly, and certainly not leastly, this will be the main event. The rest of the, the, rest of the matches could take place anywhere else on the card. We know this is going on last. This is a last man standing match for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. And this is Roman Reigns defending his belt against Brock Lesnar. But wait, Pat, I thought Brock was quit the company. He wasn't going to be there. Well, it was reported he left the building. And as I attest, uh, listen, he just got caught up in Jimmy John's. It could, yeah, that could be the reason why. So I know that that is a uh, internet hotbed subject, yeah. so to speak, which... Yeah. Why are we still defending tweets about that five days later? It's beyond me. If that is you, do you. I do not judge. However, this match uh, is what you call a stadium-worthy main event. Allegedly for the last time ever. Although they said, you know, they, they said Rock and Cena was a once-in-a-lifetime matchup, and then they did it the next year. Well, in this situation, obviously injuries have plagued the WWE roster, as we touched yeah, upon. Yeah, Randy's out. Cody's out. Yeah, so they've had to do some moving and shaking with the roster here. Plugging Brock in this situation is not the worst thing in the world. Well, I mean, and that's the Vince staple, is that when you, you have a vision in mind, you have a backup vision in mind, and then when both of those visions go out due to injuries, you, you go on the old hands. Yeah, and, that's, and it makes perfect sense. There was no chance Goldberg was going to be in this match, too, by the way. I was just loving seeing all that nonsense on Friday night. I mean, there, there's, there's always a chance. You never say never. Well, yeah, like I say, it's a 1% chance. That's like yeah. Vince, Vince coming back on TV. Yeah. It's a 1% chance. Yeah. But for this match, it's going to be last man standing, so they can definitely do a lot of creative things here if they want yeah. to. Yeah. So at the end of the day, though, I know Theory says he's going to cash in. I don't buy it. I'm going to say he does. In a very weird situation, though, that... He is going to have somebody help him out. And this is where I think the Bray Wyatt influence comes in. That, let's say, Lesnar loses to to Reigns, but it's a very hard-hitting match as it's going to be because it's last man standing. Reigns is weakened. All of a sudden, everything is, is kind of confusing because I don't know if you can really turn all the lights off in the stadium to have that effect. Depends on the time of night. Yeah, depending on when this goes on. And then all of a sudden, Bray's in the ring as Bray takes out Roman, Austin's right behind him to get the pin. That's how I could see this happening. Maybe. I could definitely see something like this happening, especially with the tour going on overseas because we do know that Drew McIntyre has a title shot lined up for the U.K. card. Well, maybe. Because they do have a matchup coming up on – Drew has a matchup on this coming Friday against Sheamus in a – They got a weird-ass name for it. I forget what it's called, but it's essentially an Irish street fight, but it's with shillelaghs. Oh, okay. They they got that going on Friday. Whoever wins that matchup between Drew and Sheamus will go on to take on the title holder at the UK card. I'm already going to say it's going to be McIntyre. I can't see him. It's got a weird-ass name, but I forget what the name is, but it's essentially an Irish street fight, but only involving shillelaghs. If Butch isn't involved, I don't care. But listen, Butch will be there. I'll say, why isn't Butch not getting title shots? That's why I want to. Butch was on Monday. Butch was on Monday. I know they they loaded that Monday card because you had guys left and right from SmackDown come running out. Well, that's the one thing that you're going to see, especially with this main event. That's why I think that you're going to see 
this being the swan song for the Vince McMahon era and the ushering in of the Triple H era, you're going to see a good mesh of both of their creative influences. Mm -hmm. Some is going to be good. Some is going to not be so great. Yeah. I think this main event is going to be basically a Triple H-influenced main event because if they decide to do Austin Theory as champion and then have him go over and lose to Drew McIntyre in Scotland, if Roman is going to be taking time off Mm -hmm. or wherever the card is over in the U.K. I don't know if it's at Scotland or not. Uh, I think it's in Wales. Yes. So either way, it's going to be over in the U.K., so I apologize for that. We now are going to have a situation where if Roman is taking time off, that's an easy way to yeah. to have Drew get that moment in front of fans winning the belt. Because remember, he did not have that. True. It was during the COVID era of no fans in the PC. Yeah. So all of that being said, it kind of lines up that way. Now, if Roman wants to retain, sure. Sure. You could do that. I just don't know if it would be beneficial, obviously, going over to that UK show. But if it works, I mean, that's a big win over there for yeah. Drew because I think I think win, lose, or draw, it doesn't matter who Drew's facing. Drew's not losing over there. It's also like the first WWE card, pay-per-view card in the UK in like 30 years. Yeah, I was going to – At know, least. I don't know if it was SummerSlam when Wembley that was the last one. It's been a while. It's, so, been, it's been a while. So I'm going to say if it's not that, hit us up on the hashtag ODPHpod and let us know. But regardless, I think we get an end new. I think we're going to get a big Triple H-influenced ending here. Okay. Now it could be, like I say – Roman wins the match, and then Theory comes in to cash in with help. He's not going to do it by himself. Bray Wyatt's the long shot, and even longer shot is Johnny Gargano mm-hmm. because obviously what they did together in the way in NXT. Right. I don't know if they would do that necessarily because with Johnny Gargano, we don't know the situation. Gargano's got, a, got, Gargano's got an axe to grind with Grayson Waller, who's already posting images given the Triple H news, mm. especially images uh, surrounding him and Johnny Gargano. Well, you know what will be interesting is if Gargano wants to run through NXT quick before he comes up. Yeah. Because I could see him doing that. Like, that's kind of how Johnny is. He likes working the indies. And if NXT is going to go back to being the black and gold 2.0, mm-hmm. I could see him making a quick run through there. Sure. But we'll have to see what happens on Saturday night. Yeah. I th- for my record, I think it's going to be an end still. I think Theory will come in and try to cash it in, mm-hmm. but he won't get it off because Usos will stop it or whatever else. Yeah, there's gonna be I, I, th- I think he'll show up, and I think he will try to cash in, but I think there'll be some interference in preventing him from actually getting to the point where they say, you know, oh, he's cashing in. There'll be a lot of shenanigans with this match. I don't think it's going to end very easily. I will say that to to close it out. But this is going to be a must-watch show now because of the Triple H influence and Vince McMahon's swan song. Never thought I'd be saying that at the beginning of the year, but here we are. Yeah. So definitely give us your predictions at OD or ODPH Podcast on Twitter and ODPHpodcast.com. You can find all the social media links there. I want to hear everybody's predictions. What is your feelings about WWE SummerSlam? Are you excited about it now with the Vince McMahon change, or are you going to be skipping it? Definitely hit us up. Let us know and who you got for the matches. Definitely want to have that conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Sunny Hepburn. And I'm Brandy Fleets. And we're from Book, Book of Lies, the podcast where we discuss liars, cheats, and thieves, scammers, and dirty, rotten scoundrels. You can tune in for new episodes every Tuesday to hear about another lowdown, dirty liar. And learn how to spot them. So that's Book of Lies Podcast. You can connect with us on social media, Twitter at Book of Lies Pod, Facebook, and Instagram at Book of Lies Podcast. Bye. Bye!
Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and let's talk some UFC action, Pad. Hell yeah. So going on this Saturday night as well, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Mm Mm-hmm. UFC 277 live from Dallas. The American Airlines Center, yeah. So this is a actually pretty stacked main card. Mm-hmm. So we're going to give you our predictions on it. So let's go right into it, Pat. Uh, yeah, so the first matchup we're going to talk about on the main card is in the light heavyweight division, and it is between Anthony Smith and uh, Magomed Ankleyev. So this has got title fight contention going on, okay. to say the least. And I, it's kind of a weird place with the 205 division. With, obviously, the new champion and Yuri being the head here. Right. But this one, I could see the winner getting in there. Magnov is very, very solid. 17-1. and one. Yeah, he does not play around at all. Anthony Smith, though, to see the resurgence in his career is a very, very big deal. Yeah, it is. Because, obviously, we have seen him come very close to a title fight, uh, not pull it together, looked very bad in other fights. Yeah. To say the least. But he always goes in there and gives it all in the ring. And and lately, how's the record been, Ted? Uh, yeah, so in 52 professional matches, he has a record of 36 wins, 16 losses, and he's currently on a three-fight winning streak, uh, beating Ryan Spann in his last fight via a rear naked choke submission, knocking uh, TKO against Jimmy Crute in UFC 261. That was back in April of last year. Uh, that was a doctor stoppage. Uh, and then a triangle choke submission win against Devin Clark at a UFC on ESPN card in November of 2020. Yeah. So, like I say, he's kind of had his ups and downs, but on that win streak, though, he's definitely got himself back in title contention. Yeah. He's a plus 380, and Magnoff is a minus 475, okay. according to UFC.com. Okay. So, Pad, you got any feelings on this one? Well, I mean, I'm looking at uh, Magnumhead. Uh, apologies for butchering the name. And and I got to say, this dude's fucking record scares the shit out of me because he's 18 professional matches, 17 wins, one loss, as I mentioned. Uh, breakdown of his wins, zero are by submission, eight are by decision, nine are by knockout. And in his last few fights, he's beaten Tiago Santos, Volkan Odzmedir, Nikita Krylov, what the shit? Mm. This dude scares me. Like, what the fuck? He is definitely one fighter that you definitely got to keep the eyes on, and rightfully so, because I like him a lot in this fight. It's nothing against Anthony Smith. Anthony Smith is going to bang with him, though. That, yeah, his, his one loss is to Paul Craig via triangle choke submission, and that was in his UFC debut back in March of 2018. Yeah, Magnum I definitely see taking this one. Uh, I'm going to lean that way, too, yeah. But you never know with Anthony Smith. I mean, the upset could happen, but if you're asking me right now, I think Magnum is going to be too much for him to handle. I think the hands are going to be too much. Unless this goes to the ground and, and Smith can pull something off, I just see Magnum getting the win here. Uh, it could be a stoppage in the third. I'm gonna say I'll give him that benefit. Could be. Uh, next fight up is in the flyweight division, and it is between Alexandra uh, Pantoja versus Alex Perez. Uh, Pantoja, in 29 professional matches, has a record of 24 wins, five losses. Currently on a two-fight winning streak, uh, beating the likes of Brandon Royval via rear naked choke submission in his last fight back in August of last year. Uh, and then beating uh, Manel Cape via unanimous decision that was back in February of last year. Uh, on the flip side, Alex Perez, 
30 professional matches, 24 wins, six losses, currently on a one-fight losing streak. Uh, he lost to Devison Figueredo via guillotine choke submission back at UFC 255. That was back in November of 2020. Uh, before that, he was on a three-fight winning streak, winning one by TKO, light kicks, another one by arm triangle choke submission, and another one by unanimous decision. Pinoja is a real deal. This guy is definitely going to give Perez fits. I could see this being stopped in the second, to be honest with you. I think Pinoja is definitely going to go in there really on the cusp of getting a title shot, especially with a flyweight champion fighting later that night. Mm-hmm. I th- or for number one contender, rather, I should say. This would be something that to keep an eye on for. And I, I'm going to tell you, I think the pacing is going to give Perez fits. I think that, obviously, losing a Figueredo is no shame at all. Right. But I think Pinoja is definitely on that cusp of really making that breakout. And I know that he's favored 165 to a plus 140 for Perez. Okay. It's going to be a close fight, but I just think the pacing is going to be something that Perez is going to have issues dealing with. If he can weather the storm, he's going to be in good condition. Yeah. But I think it's going to be too much too soon, especially Pinoja, I think, understands the temp in the room. Uh, and I think Pinto- I'm going to give Pinoja the win, too, just because I'm looking at per- uh, per- uh, Perez's record here. And I and I was wondering, like, why is he not fought since November 21st of 2020? Reading from his Wikipedia page, uh, it says, quote, Perez was scheduled to face Askar Askarov on July 31st, 2021 on UFC on ESPN Hall versus Strickland. However, Askarov pulled out of the fight in early July, citing injury. In turn, Perez was removed from the cart entirely and rescheduled to face Matt Schnell four weeks later on August 28th, 2021. Uh, however, for undisclosed reasons, the fight the bout was moved to UFC Fight Night Brunson versus Till. However, the bout was yet again moved for unknown reasons to UFC 269. At the weigh-ins, Alex Perez weighed at 126.25 pounds, a quarter pound over the flyweight mm. non-title fight limit. Shortly after weigh-ins, officials had announced that the bout had been canceled due to Chanel withdrawing from the event of a medical issue. Uh, the pair was rescheduled for UFC 271 on February 12, 2022. At weigh-ins, Perez came in at 128. 128 pounds and did not attempt to try again, resulting in Matt Chanel refusing to accept the catchweight bout and the fight being canceled. Uh... Listen, apparently there's some sort of like curse or jinx with getting Perez on a fight because every time you try to get him on a fight, something goes wrong. Uh, so I'm going to go with uh, his opponent in uh, Pantoja. Yeah, like I say, Pantoja, I think, is definitely more understanding the temp in the room. Perez, I mean, you just got that bad luck. And yeah. That's, and that's the only thing with him. But uh, yeah. like I said, I think he's going to have a problem with the pacing in this one. I really do. So have to wait and see. Next up is in the heavyweight division matchup. And Christ money, this one probably ain't going long. Uh, it is between one of the UFC favorites, fan favorites, and Derek Lewis taking on Sergey Pavlovich. Uh, looking at the records, Derek Lewis in 36 professional matches has a record of 26 wins, 9 losses. Currently on a one-fight losing streak, he lost to Tai Tuivasa in his last fight. That was back in February. That was via KO. Uh, and then on the flip side, in Sergey Pavlovich, 16 professional matches. Oh, shit. 15 wins, 1 loss. 12 wins are by knockout. One, three wins, excuse me, are by decision. He's currently on a three-fight and a three-fight knockout streak, beating uh, the likes of Shamil Abdurkhamov, uh, A-B-D-U-R-A-K-H-I-M-O-V, via TKO. That was back in March of this year. Uh, he beat Maurice Green via TKO. Uh, that was back in October of 2019. And then he beat uh, Marcelo Golm via KO in uh, April of 2019. Holy shit. Uh, his one loss is to the one, the only, hey, there ain't no shame in this one, Alistair Overeem. Yeah. So that being said, 
You never go against Derek Lewis in a Texas fight. The, oh, you know what? This is true. This is fucking Dallas. Yeah, you're in Dallas. Like, you don't go against him. Like, I mean, obviously, the serial gone fight is whatever, but this is Derek Lewis against a guy that's going to stand there and bang with him. Like, yeah, I'll say there ain't gonna be no wrestling in this fucking fight. Yeah, you're not gonna see any jujitsu. You're not gonna see any grappling. I'd be shocked yeah, huh? if that happened. I'd be literally eyes bugging on my head. Yeah, this is gonna end early for one of the fighters, but I never go against Derek Lewis. Yeah, no, I like, can't. Sergey's gonna give him a challenge. Like this isn't gonna be a walk in the park. But I'm gonna tell you right now, Derek Lewis at home. Obviously, not gonna be near a title fight anytime soon. But he's gonna show up, and he don't want to get embarrassed at home. So I, there's no way you go against him. So I am definitely going with the underdog as he's a plus 105 to Sergey's minus 125. Hmm. So definitely going Derek Lewis second round. Same here. Uh, next up is the co-main event of the evening, and it is in the flyweight division. And you've got Brandon Moreno taking on Kai Car France. Uh, Brandon in the 27 professional matches has a record of 19 wins, six losses, two draws. Uh, currently on a one-fight losing streak, he lost to Devison Figueredo by unanimous decision. That was back in January of 2022. Uh, prior to that, he won, beat uh, Devison Figueredo via rear naked choke submission. That was in June of 2021. Uh, and they had also had a match prior to that. It was one of his two draws. Uh, that was back at UFC 256 in December of 2020. Uh, on the flip side, Kai Kara France, 34 professional matches, 24 wins, 9 losses, 1 no contest, currently on a 3-fight win streak, beating the likes of Asker Askarov uh, by unanimous decision. That was back in March of 2022. Cody Garbrandt via TKO. Uh, that was in December of 2021. And then uh, Rogerio uh, Bontorin uh, via KO. That was in March of 2021. We have to remember this for the interim title for the flyweight division. Oh, yes, this is true. Because I forgot all the drama that happened with Figueredo and Moreno. Yeah. So I'm not going to go rehash all that nonsense. We are just had an interim title fight. That's what I'm going to leave it at. So if you want to learn more about it, I'm sure UFC's got something about it on their embedded series or something. Yeah, it's been a hot minute since we talked about that mess. I And if memory serves me right, it, it, <laughs> there's a reason I'm skipping past it. I'm just going to put it out there. Yeah. So let's just focus on this fight. Moreno definitely has been a surprise star in the flyweight division. I think that he's definitely put in the work. Him and Figueredo have had some absolute classics. Mm-hmm. Kia Kara France flying very under the radar. We have to remember this, that he's not getting a lot of publicity as of late. No. But he's putting in that work. He's definitely making his name out there. And this is going to be a fun fight. I'm going to tell you right now. Moreno is the favorite at 205, uh, minus 205. Mm-hmm. Kara France, 175 plus, according to all these uh, rankings or uh, money lines are coming from UFC.com, I just want to point out. So that being said, I think the fight's a lot closer than this. I would take an even, Ooh. to be honest with you. Yeah, probably. Everybody's sleeping on Kara France because it's the flyweight division, and we talk about they need stars there. Yeah. Well, that said, this is a chance where you might see a star – Get this. I think this is going to go to a decision. It's going to be an exciting fight to decision. I think this could be a split. Okay. And I'm going to say Kara Francis is going to take this one. I'm going to say the same thing. I think uh, Kara Francis is, like you said, flying under the radar, and I think he's got everything to prove and nothing to lose. Yeah, I think so as well. I think that with him, he's definitely wants to get in that title fight. He definitely wants to be a champion. He definitely wants to fight Figueredo. And like I say, whatever the like that whole story is there, I know that it was like back and forth, back and forth about doing this, but Kara France is now in the place. I think he understands like he doesn't have a long window to make this happen. Mm-hmm. So he's got to do something. 
And I think that now is the time. If, if you're going to do it, like, you know, the proverbial, you know, do it or get off the pot. Right. That's the situation Kara France is looking at. So right. I think he's going to have to. Yeah. And I definitely think he's going to take advantage of this. I could see this going all, you know, like I say, two decision. It's going to be a close fight. So we definitely got to check that one out. Yeah. Uh, and then lastly, and certainly not leastly, in the main event is for the Women's Bantamweight Championship. And you've got Juliana Pena defending her belt against Amanda Nunes. Uh, Pena, in 15 professional matches, has a record of 11 wins, four losses, currently on a two fight winning streak, beating the like of Amanda Nunes via rear naked choke submission. That was back in December of last year. And then Sarah McMahon, uh, also via rear naked choke submission, that was back in January of 2021. Flip side, Amanda Nunes, the proverbial legend killer. Uh, in 26 professional matches, has a record of 21 wins, 5 losses. Currently on a one-fight losing streak. Uh, she lost, as I mentioned, to, to Amanda, or excuse me, Juliana Pena via rear naked choke. Uh, if you're a first-time listener, well, thank you for listening. Why do I call Amanda Nunes the legend killer? Well, uh, she beat the likes of uh, Jermaine Randomay, Holly Holm, Chris Cyborg, Raquel Pennington, Valentina Shevchenko, Ronda Rousey, Misha Tate, Shayna Baszler, uh, need I go on? Amanda Nunez is the goat of she's women's MMA. Legend killer. Yeah, there's no question about the accolades that she's done, and the names are like a who's who of women's MMA. Uh-huh. Without question at all. About the only person she hasn't beaten uh, in women's MMA is Kat Zingano. She's got a loss to Kat Zingano, uh, but she has not beat her. It's a crazy scenario for Nunez, who lost the fight to Pena, who obviously was a huge underdog the last time they fought. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to say, like, if you had money on that fight, you won big. Yeah. This time around, Pena is a plus 230. Nunez is a minus 275. This is going to be a very, very big challenge for Nunez. Uh-huh. Because the question is, is she back to being the Nunez of old? Right. And this is a, a one thing that we just don't know, because obviously she was dealing with some health issues the last time she was in, just coming off COVID. Right. How is she going to be in condition for this fight? Is she going to be back to, you know, ready to go? Or is this going to be a stage that she's just going to see if she has it? And if if it's not, her heart's not fully in it, is she out? Right. Not saying she would mail it in because I I don't want that coming across that way. But there's times when fighters have an embarrassing loss. Sure. And you think about all the success Nunez has had. Sure. What's the motivation? Sure. And I'm sure that if she wins... I don't know how many more fights she has left that she wants to do. I think she wants to avenge her loss, and oh, that's going to be the situation here. Absolutely. But if she's not 100% Amanda Nunez of old, she's going to have trouble. Take nothing away from Juliana Pena. She showed up. She was the big underdog. Everybody wrote her off. And if you know her story from The Ultimate Fighter to now, right. it's, it's, it's almost right. It's like a Hollywood story, to be honest. It's a situation that I think for Pena, she needs to close this out once and for all. Mm-hmm. She needs to give a definitive stoppage to put the naysayers away. Because obviously, being the champion of that bantamweight division, and that bantamweight division is ridiculously stacked, she needs to have that resume that she's the one that stopped Amanda Nunez. Because if you can stop Amanda Nunez... Trust me, there's going to be a lot more eyes on you, and you're going to definitely have a step up in competition. Not saying that Nunez is anything to write off. Right. But you think about when people are saying fluke. Mm-hmm. People are saying, you know, misfire. People oh, you are, got you, lucky. Yeah. When you have people drilling that in you on interview after interview after interview because Amanda Nunez's track record, that's going to either motivate you or haunt you. Which one is it going to be? 
I think Pena is definitely going to show up for this one. Absolutely. But it's hard to go against Amanda Nunez. The only question is, how is the conditioning going into this fight? If you can tell when she comes in that cage and within the first minute, does she look like the Nunez of old? That's the real question we have here. If she shows up like the Nunez of old, Pena's in trouble. Right. Because Nunez is going to pressure the pace, going to work the strikes, keep Pena at a distance, and definitely just pick her apart until she can get a knockout. Mm -hmm. Because anybody that's not afraid to stand up with Chris Cyborg, that's a very intimidating fighter. Yeah. And that's what Nunez does. Pena will engage her, though. Oh, she will. So this is not to say that she's going to you know, cower away. But I think for Pena, Pena needs to fight a very smart fight, give or take advantage of what Nunez is giving you, and maybe you can outpoint this to a win. You're going to have to because I think it's been, and I looked it up, you know, it's been, as we record, 227 days since their last fight. So it'll be 230-plus by the time the fight goes live on, on Saturday. Listen, it's a guarantee that in that time, Amanda Nunes has worked on her ground game. Mm -hmm. So I don't think Pena will again be able to go for like a rear naked choke submission or something. A Pena, Nunes is going to be ready for it. Yeah, and I think I think to a certain degree, Pena did catch her by surprise because I, I've got her whole professional record in front of me. For her entire record, which as I mentioned, for Nunes is twenty six professional matches. Of the five losses, only two of them are by submission, mm -hmm. and she hasn't had a submission loss since her very first professional fight, which was for in, in on March 8th, 2008. Damn. For in Salvador, Brazil. So she hasn't gone up against something like that in well over 20 years. Mm. Or 10 years, excuse me, 10, 15 years. You know, so I, th I think she did get caught a little bit by surprise, you know, because it might not be something she runs into. She's going to be ready this time around. So if, if Pena wants to get this win, she's got to come up with a new way to do it because... You know, it's like in a video game. The enemy has learned, and they know what they're going to do. Yeah. So this one, though, I'm taking Nunez. So am I. I, I you can't go against her on this one, but I'm going to say this. If Nunez starts out looking fatigued, right, looking not in it, Pena is going to win this fight. It just depends on what Pena can throw at her that she hasn't seen before. I'm not saying this is going to be an easy win. For mm -hmm. Nunez, but I'm going to call Nunez in the window. I'm going to say this could go unanimous decision, to okay. be honest with you. But Pena has to really pressure, pressure the pace, and she's got to implement a different game plan to get that win. She can do that. Listen, it could be a quick night. That's how confident I feel. But I'm going to say you got to go with the champion that's literally the legend killer of legend killers. Yeah, no, I, I can't bet against Nunez. I mean, listen, Pena, credit to you for getting the win. It ain't happening twice. Yeah, so... We'll have to see what happens on Saturday night. UFC 277 will be live on pay-per-view wherever you find great UFC action. But in the meantime, hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your prediction for UFC 277? Who you got? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideman Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one knows my name To the desert, the oceans, or the plains Cause I wanna go 
Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got? Got a couple things to talk about. Obviously, first is the local minute, and we got some uh, good news re- regarding the Binghamton Rope Ponies. Hey, now. Uh, reading from an article from the local news site, WBNG.com, it says, quote, On Monday, Broome County Executive Jason Garner, in partnership with the Broome County Legislature and Binghamton Rumble Ponies, announced free baseball tickets to veterans. Very cool. 700 Rumble Ponies home game tickets will be allocated to veterans across Broome County. Rumble Ponies owner David uh, Sabotka said that said those who have served will also be given the opportunity to gather on the field for the national anthem as a special way to pay tribute. Quote, there is nobody more essential to our well-being and nobody we owe a greater debt of gratitude to our men and women who have served in the armed forces. So this is just a small way of giving back, Sabotka said. Veterans can visit Morabito Stadium and present their ID at the ticket box to receive up to four free tickets for any of the season's final home games. Uh, so definitely something to check out if you are a veteran or you're looking at going down to a game because, hey, that's a really nice gesture. Very cool notion by the Rumble yeah. Ponies. Uh, looking at their games from this last week, uh, they had a real brief uh, series against the Hartford Yard Goats because they were on break for most of the last week because of the All-Star game. Uh, they had a game on Friday, yep, Friday, where it was a relived glory days for celebrating the 1992 championship team where they lost by the final score of 6-5. to five. Uh, the game on Saturday was postponed due to rain. No surprise there. It was pouring buckets. Uh, the makeup date has been set for September 14th. Uh, and then they lost their game on Sunday uh, by the final score of 10 to 6. Looking ahead, they've got another uh, was it one, two, three, four, five, six game home series against New Hampshire. Uh, Tuesday, the 26th, uh, starts at 6.35 p.m. Eastern. Wednesday is uh, 1.05 Eastern special start time. Uh, what is it? Thursday is at 6.35 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Friday is at 7.05 p.m. Eastern. That is Princess Night, uh, night with a K. Uh, Saturday the 30th is at 6.35 p.m. Eastern. Uh, that is Marvel Defenders of the Diamond Night. Yeah, that's a big night. Yeah, that's where they're wearing the Doctor Strange uh, uniform, so that should definitely be cool. Uh, and then Sunday is at 1.05 p.m. Eastern. Uh, for more information, tickets, and all that good stuff, bingrp.com. Uh, and then switching over to the NFL, because we got a couple little NFL things. Uh, mm-hmm. base, baseball's been relatively quiet. They're coming back from the All-Star break, you know, kind of getting back in the swing of things. Trade deadline is looming, but nobody's been real moved yet. Obviously, you got the Juan Soto uh, pending trade, if that happens. Whatever the hell is going on there. Yeah, well, listen, when it happens, uh, we'll talk about it. Until then, I'm not going to speculate. Who cares? Yep. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to be like some writers who speculate why Jason Dominguez and Trey Sweeney at the Yankees' high A level got pulled from a game. Oh, they got pulled from a game causing a stir on Yankees Twitter for 24 fucking hours when it was oh hey it was 100 fucking degrees outside and they were not feeling well so I'm not I'm not going to lead to any speculation or any well that's a true story folks I'm not going to lead to any speculation or anything like that I was yeah. I was incessantly checking Twitter because one of the Yankees top prospects Jason Dominguez got pulled from a game which this time of year prospect gets pulled from a game odds are they're getting traded yeah and I don't want to see the Martian get traded because hey look at his highlight from the futures game last week yeah exactly you know so I'm not going to lead to cause any stirring or speculation with who's going to go where if when it happens we'll talk about it yeah there's really nothing to talk about same thing no. with NBA listen yeah. we're on Donovan Mitchell watch if he's going to join New York so that's where we're standing with that Katie and, and Kyrie are still in Brooklyn for now so yeah. stay tuned dot 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 yeah everything else has kind of been like wait and see yeah. hockey everybody's rusting up and yeah. obviously 
season kicks off late October. Yeah, NFL we will mention quickly, though, just because as we record today, all teams have had their rookies report. Some teams have had both rookies and veterans report. Uh, we got a couple things for the NFL. Uh, one is uh, that Cincinnati, according to a source at ESPN.com, uh, Cincinnati Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow is going to have an appendectomy. Ooh. Uh, so this from an article written by Ben Baby uh, reads, quote, Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow will have an appendectomy, a source confirmed to ESPN. A timetable for the procedure remains unclear, but it is likely to be within the next 48 hours, according to a source familiar with the procedure. NFL Network was first to report news of Burrow's impending procedure. Uh, Cincinnati's veterans reported to practice uh, Tuesday ahead of the team's first official training camp practice Wednesday. Uh, The medical situation comes during the acclimation period of training camp. Teams are not permitted to have uh, line contact through the first five days of camp, according to the collective bargaining agreement between the league and the players' union. Cincinnati is coming off its first AFC championship and Super Bowl appearance in 33 seasons, yada, 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 yada. Uh, close quote. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, hey, a little bit of a procedure for Joe Burrow, but uh, hey, it's nothing major. Just something uh, worth noting. Yeah, and absolutely. So, speedy and healthy recovery wishes. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, one we got to mention that broke right as we were about to record. Uh, Julio Jones is signing a one-year deal with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Hmm. Uh, reading from an article on ESPN.com, it reads, quote, Veteran receiver Julio Jones has a new home, agreeing to a one-year deal with Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a source told ESPN's Adam Schefter on Tuesday. The seven-time Pro Bowler gives soon-to-be 45-year-old Tom Brady another weapon in Tampa, Tampa as Jones looks to rebound from a down season with the Tennessee Titans. Jones joins a receiver group with the Bucks that includes holdovers Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Tyler Johnson, Scotty Miller, Brashad Perriman, and welcomed Russell Gage, like Jones, another former Falcon, this offseason. Godwin is recovering from a torn ACL suffered late last season, and the Bucks plan to take things slowly with him as he comes back from offseason knee surgery, so Jones' signing gives them the ability to do that. Tampa Bay also brought on veteran Kyle Rudolph last week, a move to shore up its tight end spot in the wake of Rob Gronkowski's retirement, although I'm using air quotes with that whole thing. Yeah. Uh, the Titans released Jones in March, just one season after acquiring him in a trade from the Falcons. Uh, so a little bit of a note, although, listen, when, when's the last time Julio had a decent year? Yeah, you know, that's the thing. Like, if this was five years ago, I'd say, like, game over. Like This, this is just a holdover until, uh, what is it, Godwin can return from his ACL injury, and then once Godwin comes back, they're probably going to let Julio go. Depending on how he's producing. I mean, that's the thing. At this stage in the game, and, and it's no shame against Julio by any no. stretch of the means. But listen, Father Time has caught up with him. He's had a history of injuries. This is a situation that this is not as much of a yeah. game changer as one would think. So we have to keep that in perspective. But it's still a weapon for Tom Brady if he can make yeah. it happen. So we'll definitely keep an eye on it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like I said, he's been injury prone. He played 15 games. Uh, the last time he played a decent amount of games was 2019. He played 15 games, played the full 16 in 2018. You know, so he played a bunch for the whole good stretch, but there have been some injury-plagued years and some years he hasn't played all the games. Yeah, so wait and see about that, but we will definitely be starting to ramp up the NFL coverage, and obviously Locks and Leaps 2022 will be getting announced on Labor Day week as our NFL preview episodes will be dropping. And I said previews because we'll be splitting up AFC and NFC. Maybe we're going to have some other special guests other than Rich from 3FN dropping by. We have to finalize some dates, so definitely stay tuned for that, but it'll be really fun to start talking some NFL. So let me close out talking a little more wrestling. So obviously we went heavy with WWE in the beginning. We're going to talk a little AEW slash ROH on the way out the door, Pat. Okay. So this past Saturday night from Lowell, Massachusetts was Ring of Honor's return to pay-per-view, Death Before Dishonor. And I'm just going to go into the highlights of this because overall – 
the second brand under Tony Khan has been a very, uh, how do we put this mildly? Mixed okay. reaction of success yeah. in a lot of fans' eyes. Some people are very used to the Ring of Honor of old, which is you know the best pure wrestling of, of sure. professional wrestling you're going to find anywhere, to now this mix of AEW influence to what was Ring of Honor of old. The easiest way to describe it is when ECW was bought by WWE and put on the Sci-Fi Network. That is the comparisons I've been hearing all weekend from fans. And there is some legitimacy to that. There's some that I'm thinking is maybe a little too rough. But I will say this. There's a lot of controversy going on with Jonathan Gresham and Claudio Castagnoli and that whole match that went on in pre-show. We broke it down on 607TWS, so if you want to find out about that, it's in podcast form right now. You can hear my thoughts on that. As a listener, broke it down very well. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. And that was the start of the show on the main card, which I just got issues with because I'm a traditionalist. The world championship main event. Yeah. They're supposed to be the number one person in your company. That's what should have done. However, though... They did have some very, very solid matches throughout. Okay. Roosh versus Dragon Lee was a main event anywhere. That was a fantastic match. And I got to say that the tag team rematch that maybe didn't have a big storyline build. Sure. But it delivered. It's one of the best tag team matches you'll ever see. The Briscoes versus FTR 2, two out of three falls. Excellent match. I don't think it's better than the first time they they wrestled in Supercutter Honor on April. But this is definitely living up to the hype. So if you haven't seen it, definitely go check it out. The rest of the card was very solid, though. And I do think that the timing was just not there that night for a lot of the matches. Like Samoa Joe and Jay Lethal was not great. The women's match with Mercedes Martinez and Serena Deeb was good, but not great. The ending of the wheeler Yuta daniel Garcia match, I did not like, but I get it. So where we're going from here in Ring of Honor is going to be a very, very interesting place to go now because we don't know about tv deals we don't know what the future holds personally i think they should just give them our AEW rampage just rename it roh rampage and just give them an hour time slot i think that would work i think that would at least short term would be something to watch and like i say if you want to hear more breakdown of ring of honor on that card uh 607 tws this week but this coming wednesday is fight for the fallen and there are a couple noteworthy events happening, Pat. Okay. So John Moxley will be taking on Roosh mm. for the interim uh, AEW World Title. Okay. Obviously, we know that CM Punk is rumored, and I put that with a big, big asterisk. Sure. Uh, coming back at All Out, um, but we don't have a timetable. So John Moxley is the interim champion. That's going to be a really good match. I'm super excited about that one. And Danhausen versus Ricky Starks. Okay. Ricky Starks, I think, is very underrated for what he's been doing in AEW and Danhausen. I mean, they're going to put on a fun match. It's not yeah. going to be, you know, anything to really, really write home about, but it'll be entertaining to say the least. But the one that really caught my eye, and it was announced at uh, San Diego Comic Con this past week at the AEW panel, I believe. Uh-huh. Brian Danielson is back. Hey. So we weren't sure. Obviously, we did hear uh, he was out with injury, and we honestly did not hear any updates until recently. He will be back this Wednesday taking on Daniel Garcia on AEW Dynamite. So Good for him. Very happy to see that. And, you know, listen, as we said, to kind of bring everything full circle, with the WWE making these big moves, it's a lot to be excited about to be a wrestling fan. I am just hoping AEW really doesn't focus on what their neighbors are doing and focus on their own house. And I think that every fan should be doing the same thing. Listen, if you rep for AEW, rep for AEW. Keep focused on that. 
If you're a journalist, call it down the middle and keep it even. Because honestly, this is a great time to be a fan. And when your words are out in the public, people are reading them. So you know what? Set that good example. Give the fans something to talk about. Keep it positive and keep it moving. Because right now, we're on one of the most interesting times in all of pro wrestling, Pad. Mm-hmm. Because we're now in the, uh, <laughs> I don't want to say, uh, uh, after Vince McMahon, I forget how to exactly post, put the post Vince era. Yeah, AV after Vince. Yeah, that's so, a good one. So, like, we're in the AV era right now. So now is the time to really be a fan. Go support your favorite wrestling promotions wherever they're at. And listen, if you haven't watched WWE in a while, definitely watch it. If you haven't watched AEW, give them a the benefit of the doubt. I'm gonna put it out there. In the uh, this, world. Is, this is just how wild things are in pro wrestling right now. You know, say what you will about Dave Meltzer, love him, hate him. He's been covering pro wrestling for like 40 years. Mm-hmm. There has not been a time in Dave Meltzer's career where he has not covered Vince McMahon. Yeah. And he's now, for the first time in 40 years, covering pro wrestling in a Vince McMahon-less world. Wild. It's an absolutely crazy time right now as a wrestling fan. So definitely take advantage of it, fans. Get into it. Talk about your favorite feds. Let's keep it positive. We actually had one of the best Twitter conversations before I go into the outro. When all this news broke. And we were talking with AEW fans, we were talking with WWE fans, and guess what, Pat? We had a nice, polite, and respectful conversation. So nobody got reported, nobody got, like, silenced for 48 hours or whatever it is? Nobody got told, shut the fuck up, asshole. No, None of that. We need more of that on social media. It's possible. It is possible. Find the right people to chat with. And that's how you can find us when you swing on over to odphpodcast.com, because, Pat... The music you heard on this show, who is that from? Uh, Brian Wolf. Now, Brian has got some big things going on in Texas. New EP just dropped. Live shows we're hearing about. So if you swing on over to the music section, you can check out everything going on with him. Shout out the robots you hear on this program quite often. They're back up and running on Patreon, Pat. Hey. And they got a live something coming. Okay. I don't know if I'm allowed to say it on air, Julian. Probably not. Well, you know what? Julian would probably be okay with it because Julian has given us very, very fair and open rank to say whatever we want about the band because they're fantastic people. So if you're on their Patreon, you already know that there's something coming. If you're not, you should sign up because it's amazing. Second Suitor is also on the music section. They have a new album coming out August 12th. It's also Suitor Slam 2, Pad, at the X. So for $8, you can get in. You can see a wrestling match. You can see, because Tyler Reed of Second Suitor is teaming up with his cousin, Sean Carr. Yeah. Who technically Tyler is 1-0 against. I'm just going to put that out from last year. Mm-hmm. And they're taking on Garrett Holiday and Axel Lennox, plus Second Suitor is going to be playing. There's a couple other bands coming down. I heard there's a comedian or something going on, too, yeah, as well. Yeah, something like that. They have a lot going on at the X. We'll so. say shout-out to Sean Carr and his match announcement recently. Oh, I heard something about this. Yeah, so Shankar uh, taking place on Sunday, August 7th. That is the second of the two Excite Wrestling Speedy Fest shows. We'll be taking on former wrestler and Syracuse football star, uh, the current Impact Wrestling star, Moose. Okay, I heard he had a big match. That's, yeah. that's, a, that's yeah, a big it's thing. Shankar versus the Impact Wrestling's own Moose. Yeah, so if you want to find out for that, we'll give Johnny a plug. ExciteWrestling.com. And uh, go hit him up on Facebook because he lives on Facebook Live. But, and like I say, Second Sewer's got a lot of stuff going on. I'm kind of putting the karma out. Definitely go check out the new album as well, too, because Tyler and the guys have really been putting in some work. So to find out about them and all the other great bands you hear on the ODPH, like Tom Jolu, Yard Party, Floodlands, just swing on over to the music section at odphpodcast.com. But while you're there, check out the directory, which has friends of the show, like 3fnpodcast.com. 
I have to remember this is a name change because they're doing a little bit of rebranding over with our friends over at 3FN. So you definitely want to holler at Rich, Ron, and the one and only Big Natty Cool Diesel because they got a lot of things going on. You can also check out organizational links supporting Black Lives Matter, all of the amazing pod groups we are in as in 607 Podcast and the Apocalypse. Also, voter registration, and we have so much more in that classified section. You definitely just go deep dive and find out for yourself. But also check out the directory, because, Pat, how many providers are we on now? Uh, 726,000. Sounds about right to me. So if we're not on your favorite podcast uh, provider, definitely let us know who it is. We'll see if we can make it happen within reason. Some of them, they just haven't answered back yet, because we did get help with a couple like the brand new ones, the apps that are out now. Yeah. And they're still kind of new, so they're still kind of like, well, we're still putting things together, X, Y, and Z. So we'll definitely see if we can get on your favorite platform if we're not there already. But, you know, like I say, a lot of those startups, we usually get uh, on there one way or another. So we'll have to see what happens. And all of that, the T Public Store, so much more. Parlay points, odphpodcast.com for anything and everything that is the ODPH. That's all I got for this week. So for the one only Pat one j Fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time. Let's go.